Hey everyone, it's me, Lauren, your creative mentor, and today I have um, one of the last interviews that we're doing for the month for my uh, limited series of just interviewing other creatives so that you guys can get their perspectives. So today I'm interviewing um, my old boss, <laughs> Danielle Zubabuehler, and she is the uh, senior art director for the digital side of, um, you know, like e-commerce and stuff. And when she hired me um, back at the company we worked at together, she was the one who gave me like my second wind shot at like the kind of design work and the work environment in which uh, I learned through her giving me that shot, I thrived in. So we talked about you know, figuring out your own creativity and where that falls and makes sense for you. We talk about things because she's in a position to like hire people and mentor people at a creative manager level. We talk a lot about what she looks for, what she values as a manager in her team. We talk about, um, you know, working virtually. You know, we are still in the pandemic. A lot of us are working from home still. Um, some of us are striving to work from home now and looking for those opportunities. So as a manager, she gives her perspective on that. And she gives a bunch of really good book recommendations. Um, so throughout the whole podcast, we just talk about all of that stuff. And honestly, it was so much fun to just like reconnect with her and catch up and, you know, talk some shops. So I hope her perspective helps you all with whatever you're wondering about. So without further ado, here we go. Oh my God, Danielle, it's so nice to see you on the computer. Yes, <laughs> nice to see you. It's been so long. I've missed it has, you. It has been so long. Um, so thank you for joining me on my virtual world for this podcast. And um, I'm just like really excited and already want to tell my audience, like Danielle is the person who gave me the shot that I needed to to learn and do all of the things I currently do. So part of me being this way is a little bit your fault. <laughs> and <laughs> well, and it was interesting too, because you ma you managed me and then we worked alongside each other and then you went off and expanded into something else. So walk me through like what your title is and what you do. Yeah, I started in the sports world um, and now I'm over in the home goods world and working as their uh, e-com senior art director. And so I'm the, I oversee the creative side of just the web channel. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of work in that channel, especially I started the week that lockdown started for COVID. Ooh. But anyway, but it was a very interesting year to start in the e-com world in the middle of COVID in the home goods industry when everyone was stuck at home, just trying to make their homes more enjoyable to stay at perpetually <laughs> so yeah, it's busy so little did they know they like really needed you when they got you <laughs> yeah i think even since i started our team has like grown significantly i don't want to say it's doubled but i bet we've added at least seven or eight people just because it, it, there's just so much work um, that's and it, really substantial though for like a creative run department yeah <laughs> yeah it's been <laughs> It's been interesting. So um, it's been good. It's been a good learning experience. I've, it's the first time that I've only worked on like e-com or web design, whereas past jobs, like you kind of do a little bit of everything. You do packaging or in-store and 
pornographics and social media, like you just run the gamut, which has its own, you know, pros and cons. So it's interesting to just have one area of focus. Well, and then I would venture to say that like being a senior, I'm sorry, senior creative director, is that correct? Senior digital art director. Digital art director. Oh my goodness. Having that be your title, let alone a senior in it, I would venture to say much like myself back when we graduated college that didn't really exist in the sense that it does today. So I would venture to say you maybe didn't plan to be where you are (laughs) in the sense that you are. So walk me through kind of where you started, like where you thought you would be versus where you actually ended up. Oh man, that's a doozy. So I'll actually kick it all the way back because I had no idea I would end up in the creative world to begin with generally speaking, I was actually super great at math and science growing up, like really good at it to the point that like, I was like, I think I'm gonna be a doctor because that was like what you did. And I was had like inklings of creative abilities. And then I was like, okay, I'll be a reconstructive surgeon because I can use that to like help, you know, rebuild people's bodies after accidents or things like that. and actually kind of just stumbled into design because of a, of a drawing class I took in high school. So, and then just had some wonderful teachers say like, hey, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> and then, I mean, I can go into more detail later, but like just from series of events ended up in graphic design. Um, so I ended up at Columbia downtown for a while. And then when I graduated, um, you know, I found some designer jobs. I was in the middle of the recession, so that was fun. Um, and so I started as a designer and then basically I kind of made that climb. I don't think I ever really set out to be like, I'm going to be an art director or a creative director. I just wanted to be in graphic design. And I wasn't totally sure what that looked like. Um, I think what kind of set it apart for me was like, I just wanted to be doing something that I could do for hours and ha- and feel like it was fun and feel like I wasn't like losing myself, that I wasn't having to go to a job where I put on a certain face from nine to five and then I went and was my real self. I wanted a world where I could just be who I was, do what I did really well and enjoy it um, for my career. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I ended up being able to like get up into leadership roles just by opportunity kind of making themselves available but then also just advocating for myself as well, which which was kind of like the starting point. There was a point at one of my jobs where an art director position opened up and I kind of was already doing that role because I was acting as kind of the right-hand person to the art director at the time. And so when the position opened up, um, I was already doing it. And I will honestly say every job, every promotion I've ever gotten, I was probably doing that role for like a year beforehand. And then I was able to make a case for like, hey, I see you're trying to hire art directors from outside, but here's why I think I would be a, a good um, candidate for that and made a case for myself. And, and they were like, it's a good point. And they gave me the job. So <laughs> it, it definitely was a stumbling situation where I kind of knew what I didn't want, had a general idea vaguely of what I did want and kind of let doors open and paid attention to doors opening. And then once the doors open, advocated for myself to like be able to go in said doors mm-hmm. then yeah it's just kind of been a little bit of a ride <laughs> <laughs> well I think it's interesting like you bring up 
like what kind of your criteria was because mm -hmm. I feel like especially like this month talking to all of the people that I have like some people kind of just like woke up into what they're doing <laughs> and then they look back and they're like 10 years has happened like oh my god I, I do this <laughs> I do this thing <laughs> and then like you know and I feel like listening to like what you were just saying like you're kind of the first person who was like I already kind of knew what I liked to do and so how I wanted to translate that into working is like being able to do essentially something for hours still being myself and all of that stuff which I think is something a lot of creative people try to understand but maybe don't know the right questions to ask themselves mm. so I don't know if you had like a dialogue like that with yourself. Did you like sit in school and like evaluate <laughs> and like do, I mean, math science, I feel like that's not outlandish to maybe do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. I think for me, you know, it was a, a chance encounter with a drawing class that I did well in. And then I just had support from some teachers and you should maybe try this. And I'm like, but you can't make money drawing. And I mean, at the time, I, I I feel like with social media that kind of changes some things now, but um, I was doing drawing, drawing and then painting and then doing like big murals and stuff. And um, that kind of all started to open my eyes to like the art world. But then my question was like, I love this, but I, I've been told and I don't know how you would actually make a meaningful amount of money um, to be, to feel secure. <laughs> like, uh, doing those. And then I happened to do a mural for a photographer in my hometown who then offered me a job because she needed someone to retouch photos. And she's like, you have an artistic eye and I can teach you Photoshop. And I was like, okay, cool. And then suddenly I was like, Photoshop. <laughs> and that kind of opened my eyes. And so I think for me, as I was figuring out, um, you know, what school to go to and like what major to get into and what I saw my future being I definitely had some like wide criteria for myself and I'm very introspective like I think about these things all the time and I think I I think about them even still like after you hit certain milestones I always kind of stop and go okay so then what does success or your ideal future look like from here now that you've checked this box what does the future look like so for me I think as I was thinking about myself in the design world, I was like, I want to work for a company that I get super excited about working there, like things that I care about. I had a job offer at one point for like a mattress company and I love sleeping, but I cannot get excited about like marketing mattresses. Like I, I'm a total, like I sleep hard. I love sleep, but I cannot, I just can't get pumped about that. But like sports or home goods or things like that, like I get jacked about that. I also was from a small town. And so for me, I really, it sounds like probably silly now, but it really meant a lot to me to like go work for a big brand in a city. Like I just wanted that something about that meant a lot to me. There's probably a little bit of like, I think it was a little bit of a shift when I'm like, I want to be a doctor, JK, I'm going to be <laughs> a designer. It probably was a little of insecurity need to feel like I need to prove myself. Um, and I just want to be able to design work that I was proud of. I wanted to be able to, be a place where I could grow into some kind of leader because I um, I feel like, especially when you grow in, in a company, you have um, some room to help 
make changes and impact people below you as well. Like I think people can do a lot of good outside of corporate, obviously, you know, some people might argue might be able to do more good outside of corporations. But for me, I felt like if I can continue to grow, I can make changes in here that would help women or people on my note, like pay, like kind of open doors where I could. Um, but yeah, I feel like I've gone on a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> but you know, for me, I was like, I don't want to work at a company that I'm not proud of their like the work I would do. I don't want to work at a company that I don't care about. You know, I don't want to work at a company that's gonna. I was a little nervous about agencies because I didn't want to slave away until you know all hours of the day. Even though I kind of did anyway. But so yeah, you do. I did. I did have a lot of conversations with myself just setting up broad criteria, not super specific, because you don't want to limit yourself. Um, if you say, I'm going to be a creative director at Leo Burnett, and it's that or nothing, like you're probably limiting yourself. But if you say, I strive to be a in a position of leadership, some people don't. So to even know that um, is helpful. And then really identifying what you, what you really don't want, what you try to avoid. And then somewhere in the middle of their doors will open and you'll be able to go, uh, not an opportunity for me, or this is exactly what I want to do. Something I'm curious about is like when you were kind of a, a green designer or a younger designer, meaning like five years experience or less, because I would mm -hmm. say five to seven is when you're mid, you could be jumping to like mm -hmm. those leadership places, at least as the structure stands now. I don't know. Stuff could change all the time. But really? when you were... <laughs> Uh, a baby designer did did you know that at that point or did something somewhere pop up to like introduce you to the I might want to be a creative leader in, in these structures of like companies or wherever I'm working that I've I'm already excited about have mm -hmm. checked all my boxes like when you're evaluating these titles that you learn about because this is as someone with eight years experience now, like this is kind of like my place I'm starting to live where it's like, there's a bunch of titles everywhere. Mm -hmm. And depending on what company structure you're in, those titles could mean different things or they could be the same. It, it just kind of depends. So like, was there, was that something you kind of just like, they popped up and because you were like the right hand, you saw that you liked that or did you like ever strive for it from the beginning? Does that make sense? It does. I'm thinking now, I feel like I probably didn't have it all laid out in my head that this, like, I don't think in a million years I would have imagined this would be where I have ended up. I think even if I had pictured into my head, like I, I'm very proud of the work I've put in to get where I am now. I think when I think back on my early years, um, I think I you have to make a decision if you want to be like a, a manager or not. I think right now, I like how you say as the structure stands, creative leaders also usually, usually equal people managers. I, I haven't seen a ton where that's not like a qualification of the job. Um, I don't know if that should be the case because um, there's a lot of people who are great creative leaders who maybe aren't great people managers and so sometimes i wonder if keeping them separate would actually behoove everybody <laughs> um but as the structure stands now i think that's one thing to ask yourself like some people don't want to be a manager of people and it's definitely not for the faint of heart it's a really rewarding experience like 
it can be really hard sometimes too. And so that's one thing to, to ask. And I feel like I didn't really ever get that kind of training in art school, but I started to kind of piece together that people who were creative leaders managed people. So what kind of things do I need to be like books to read or things like that to, because I decided I do want to be a creative leader. I looked around me and saw all these people that were the positions that were leadership positions. And I think just exposure to them, I was like, that's what I want. So for me, it's just been a series of like exposing myself to different things and going, oh, I don't want that. Or that's what I want. And I saw art directors like doing their thing. And I'm like, that looks like fun. And so dove a little bit on that and did some research on what that looked like and searched through the Googles to figure that out. Um, look at job descriptions online just to see what that would actually look like. Um, and I think sometimes you just kind of, I don't know if it's like a bit of mimicry of like seeing what's around you and just being a sponge to that and seeing what you can learn from those people. And then in that you might find some mentors that could help as well. Did I answer the question? <laughs> I think so. It's, a, it's, it's like a, it's a really interesting and figurative uh, question. And I also think too, like something that's kind of dawning on me as we keep talking is, and especially because like, so I was interviewing Zoe Rain, the freelance photographer, like hers is up last week. Um, and she was so much more like fluid with her journey. Like she was just in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. And, and she like learned through trial and error how to do everything. And it, and it was very fun to have that discussion with her because it's just so not personally me because I'm like, <laughs> I've got lists for days. I have a list on my other screen over here as I talk to you. And, and like, you're very similar to that. And mm -hmm. like, so the math science thing makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, you know, trying things, introspective, all that stuff. I think the question that I think I actually am more curious about, especially because I talk so much about um, structures and organizational behaviors in capitalism in corporate America for that kind of creative, the like analytical, list making, mathematical creative. Did you like more freelance experiences or corporate structured experiences for the way you were creative specifically at work every day? Oh, I like that question because I think I admire people who. I really admire people who do the freelance and they're like, because I've met some great creatives who just don't want a full time. They don't want to be in corporate. Like they want to do their own thing. They make plenty of money doing it. Like in some cases, honestly, I think they might make more than the rest of us, but um, depending on the role and the company they're working for. But for me, I always needed the structure. I think for me, I also grew up with a financial advisor as a father. So Financial security was like a, you need to have your ducks in a row. Um, and I think for me, I've always just been like, so yeah, corporate always appealed to me in that way because I felt like there was a security to it. It kind of pains me to say that because I, I really actually wish it wasn't that way. Um, you know, I felt kind of obligated to be in that world because of the security and also because just the way that our health system is structured, like all of things that I don't, I wish weren't things, um, but you know, I think 
generally analytical list making creatives because you're totally right i do have a list over here as well <laughs> i think they're generally like they have some usually some kind of picture in their head of what they're looking for even if it's vague and so i've always even though i didn't necessarily know what it would manifest as i knew i wanted to be able to help people i really wanted to find ways to like it sounds really cheesy but like i still have and i don't know if i've achieved it yet but i have like this long-term life goal of just leaving behind some kind of like legacy of having something that outlives me, like something about corporate America. Ironically, I had some weird inkling that I could somehow rise to the top and make change. Ironically, because you're totally right that it's definitely built for like white cis men. Um, it might've been the way I was raised that I just was determined that I could make change well and that kind of like brings me back to like something you touched on a, a little bit like um if healthcare wasn't the way that it is at least specifically in america mm -hmm. i feel like the older i get and deeper i go on this path that i've picked to be on there's these different layers of reality you wish weren't true which is I, it makes me understand like the boomer better sometimes <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, but it's just like, it's, it's the facts, you know, you need these things, you need healthcare, you need housing, you need all these things just as an individual, regardless if you're expanding yourself or what, but that reality is very real. And, and I'll even say it as a creative I don't like to live in real life sometimes. Agreed. <laughs> but it, 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 I had this one creative, um, it was my high school best friend's dad who, you know, in high school you kind of drift apart. It's fine. Like nothing dramatic happened, but I always like kind of kept in touch with his dad for some reason. And he was a composer who would like make music for documentaries and he like won Emmys oh. and stuff. And I didn't understand it at the time because I was maybe like 19 or something <laughs> I, no, when no one understands anything. Um, <laughs> and he, he took yeah. me out to Noodles and Company when I was visiting my town. I wasn't living there even anymore. And it's because he had something he just like really wanted to tell me. I'm butchering this already. Let me start over. <laughs> He said, there are people in life who are incredibly creative, but never successful. And there are people in life who are not very creative, but are incredibly successful. And then he said, you are someone who is creative and can be successful. Mm -hmm. Do not let life get in the way. And I was like, that's really important, but I don't know what you mean yet. But he said that, and I knew I would understand it one day, but... Uh, now that I have a mortgage, we've been in a pandemic for a year and a half. Um, I had to figure out health insurance and all that crap sucks, sucks. that adults, question mark, understand. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> it, it like really brought that point home to me. I was like, this is what he meant. Mm. Don't let needing health insurance get in the way don't let the fact you've like debt of some kind student loans credit debt whatever get in the way of being creative and being successful however that means to you 
But then I, I don't think we all ever go like, I'm going to be this successful in this way <laughs> as a creative. And now I will go because we don't there's no like list for no. any of it. Or like like a navigation path or anything like that. Yeah. So like I say all of that to like kind of get to this like somewhat question of like there's always like the creative joy that you have to balance with creative work. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of creatives get into creative work because they liked drawing and they want to draw for money and like and then it it becomes your job and so my question is like have you had to face that how did you balance that and how do you navigate like reality being real in that regard <laughs> <laughs> well i think general it's probably i mean i'm people would probably say I'm really naive for thinking this. And I think I've always thought this is I recognize the realities. I recognize that, you know, I graduated in the middle of recession. It was terrible. It took forever to get a job. I mean, I applied for, I spent hours, hours for months, like finessing cover letters and resumes to find a job. And, um, I think there was this part of me always that was like, um, if I could, the thing that drove me though, is I was like, at some point here, I'm going to have, I'm going to be off my parents' insurance. And at some point here, student loans are coming knocking. And I just knew from, you know, I just try to avoid having to defer them was my goal. And so there was like that reality check that was coming in September <laughs> and it was like August. And I'm like, I really need this job. I just need something to open up. But I think there was always part of me, and I don't know if there's truth in it, and I think something about it always drove me in my decision-making too, is I always just had this feeling that if I got high enough up and if I worked hard enough and if I made, you know, blazed enough trails, maybe this ridiculous reality that we live in, maybe I could change that. Maybe I could have some, not a lot, but maybe I'd have enough and maybe I'd meet other people who were of like mind who we could actually make it a better space. And so I think that's always been something that's driven it as well, because I agree with you that reality is a, is a bummer. I hate that our health insurance is attached to our jobs. Like that's ridiculous. But anyway, I digress from that. Cause it'll get me all riled up. But um, <laughs> I think on the, like, I know, I, I mean, I, I actually recently got back into drawing, which kind of bummed me out because for the first half of my career if not more two-thirds I just worked all the time like it was like the whole idea of work-life balance didn't exist and I don't encourage that like I love what millennials and now Gen Z is like nah balance is everything I, I really love that and I think for me it was now having found a place where I can have a little more balance I'm trying to be like okay what are those things that you could have as creative outlets that are yours that you aren't making you know, maybe you do monetize them because people pay, like it's, I think it's totally up to people's personal, like principles. Um, so I, I know I've, I've heard you kind of talk about that and I thought it was a really interesting point because I hadn't considered it a whole lot, but you also, I mean, you guys, you draw a lot and I, I love your drawings and I could see that you maybe don't want to like, you maybe want to keep some things for yourself, which I think is awesome. I think it's really cool that you, that you do that. I think maybe if I drew more, I might, I think for, it looks a little different when you're a creative leader in that 
sometimes I just like to do hands-on design work in the evening, whether it's for myself or someone, a friend or for money, because I don't really do a whole lot of hands-on design work in leadership positions. So it might just manifest a little bit differently, but, um, but I, I don't, I guess I hadn't really totally thought about that before that holding on to some things for yourself instead of weaving it all together. Cause it can be tricky if, if like you're creating during your J job and maybe some stuff is rough or you're not happy or something. And those can kind of merge together. And I've heard people feel like burnt out just as creative a creativity as a whole, not just that job. Like that job has a way of affecting them as a creative in general. And I'm always so sad to hear that because I, it does take some separation mentally to go, no, I'm going to leave that here. I think for me, it's always been trying to find, not find my identity in my job and go, I'm a creative, no matter what company I work for, no matter if I do it freelance, no matter what, if I just do it for me, um, is it's really important to stick to your identity as a creative first and foremost. And whoever you do work for, or if you do it for yourself, that that's like a, a you know, a nice second, I suppose. It's, it's interesting because I, I really wonder like how the industry is going to grow because I feel like everyone who's been in it for a minute just all stopped and went like, whoa, why did I decide to do this? Mm -hmm. What are my like pillars of measurement or whatever? Um, which is super interesting. And um, I don't know how to segue this into my other question. <laughs> well, this is one thing on the pillars of measurement though, just to pause on that though. I think that is important to figure out what that looks like for you for for like each person should do that because and I've heard some people share theirs with me or I've talked about it with them and they look different but it's important to have figured out what those look like for you I think I'm it actually makes me a little sad sometimes that I'm so busy that I haven't found time to draw in a long time I actually said that thing about the same thing about reading like like generally just sitting down and reading that wasn't something business related or anything like that I was able to figure out how to bring in reading just for fun again. And so my next goal is the drawing piece, which I started to a little bit, but like, I think it's good that you surface that up as a topic just to make people aware because they could end up, you know, like me, 10 years, down to 13, however many years has been not having missed out on some drawing things just because you're so focused on other things. I think that's probably one thing that makes me sad just that I wish I had more time for. Another thing I think a lot about, at least at work in my practice, is like there's so much to do. There's not necessarily enough people to do it now, and there's so much to do because, like, essentially the entire workforce is recalibrating live every day, all the time. <laughs> and so I worry that we all are getting too close to the work and we're just talking to ourselves instead of actually coming up with design solutions for business problems, which is what you go to work to do every day. Right. <laughs> um, and I've found like actually taking my time off, even if I am not going on vacation mm -hmm. and chasing the sparks as they find me or watching Mad Men for three hours or something. I come back to my desk and I'm just like, okay, let's think about this differently. Let's, let's criticize the work a little bit in a like productive way 
and build off of that versus like just going, this is good enough. I have to move on to the next thing before like I die or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's <And> so true. <laughs> it's just been because like no one's over your shoulder and it's not that I think people are trying to get away with things. It's just like, we aren't giving ourselves permission to be exactly what we are, but everything else gets to be exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And so like that balance has been interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's been a lot of pros coming from the whole work from home thing. I know there's some struggles, like there's some things that, especially for creatives, like collaboration and stuff like that would, but there's some really like serious positivity from it i mean especially when we're like scraping for the barrel of positivity things these days but um it has been interesting to see how people kind of figure things out and find little tricks to help them because especially when you're just like expected to be readily available at all times right now you have to like let your brain rest otherwise you just hit a wall <laughs> and then you're not actually doing good creative work anymore you're just kind of like going through motions and it's maybe uninspired. I wanted to kind of like swoop that around into like, you're in a position to like hire people, you lead people, you kind of on some level have to be an empathetic people person-y person. Mm -hmm. And so I was curious if like there were common things that you have noticed that's like a difference, like office versus um, virtual or, or even like, I mean, I think it'd be a big miss if I didn't ask for the sake of my audience, like how you view resumes and portfolios and all of that stuff. <laughs> so like we could just dive over there, but I, I wanted to see like, or I want, yeah, I wanted to see if you like saw any differences in how people manage themselves virtual versus real life. Virtual versus in person. Um, I agree with you. The like soft skills things. I, there's part of me that's always been, I guess it depends on what, those things are because I find them important. I think I've noticed for managing people specifically, I mean, like, or having people manage their time remotely. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Well, since you're like, you're other people's bosses, like how you view how people spend their time. If you even think about it much, if you're concerned about it, hmm. um, because I think there's a lot of like back and forth on like, well, my boss doesn't think we're working unless we're in the office or, oh, you know, stuff like so that. <laughs> like you have the unique perspective of like having thoughts that get turned into reality as a boss, you know, mm, if yeah. you say come to the office, they have to listen you, to you, you know, <laughs> I, okay. Now I've, okay. I follow a little better now. I think I was like missing something there. <laughs> um, I I have hated for so long people who can't who say that people aren't productive working from home like pre-pandemic and I always hate the people who worked from home for like a day and they're like I just like did nothing I'm like you're rooting it for everybody I generally so when the pandemic happened and everyone was forced into it it gave me a little bit of joy that all these people who hated on working from home are now being forced into it and I was like good like it's about time because people can be productive. I realize that there's some personal responsibility in making sure you're hitting your timelines at work and stuff. And, um, but we, I remember reading like a McKinsey article of like basically the entire workforce was like forced five years into the future. 
like it was gonna become a thing anyway. It was kind of already tiptoeing there, and now it's just we've just launched into the future a bit. I don't generally pay attention to like I it doesn't really stand out to me if I'm generally worried about people if they're being productive or not because at least on my team like people are hitting their deadlines like if you're hitting your deadlines I don't care if you stop for a minute and go for a walk or you do doodles in Photoshop because I realize that sometimes you just have to do those things and you have to just kind of take a break. Um, I'm historically not great at doing that and I've even tried to make sure I do that because it it makes you more productive. I think I've noticed people, designers specifically who report to me, who are a great, I think you have to over communicate a little bit more when you're virtually, because I think it's when you're in an office, it's easy. People see you, people bump into you. You kind of have to make yourself a little more insert yourself a little bit more when you're virtual. Um, I know like I always appreciate when designers kind of reach out to me and go, Hey, I'm working on this. You should see something in your inbox like soon. Like, thanks. Appreciate it. It doesn't have to be anything like fancy. I just appreciate that you're like acknowledging that today is a due date and, or might be cutting a little close and at least you're vocalizing something that I might already be like, where's this at? Um, and I definitely notice people who kind of reach out and go, Hey, I have all these different things do. Where should I start? You know, I feel like there's a lot of those conversations. One thing I, I, I do feel bad about right now is that you have to give like creative feedback virtually. And sometimes it's in like an email or uh, like a project management system, whatever people might be using. And it looks like, like a lot more than if you were just talking to them. So I, I have to imagine that for people getting feedback and I have been on the receiving end of that as well with people above me is it probably feels more exhausting than if you were just talking in person. So I can appreciate that, you know, people are like, Oh my God, that's like <laughs> a lot of notes. It just looks like a lot of notes, but cause I had to write out every single one of them. But um, I think you have to make a more conscientious effort as a manager to like vocalize great work on that because you're not seeing people <laughs> that might trigger our memories. So it, it takes a little more con conscient, I'll struggle with this word, conscientiousness mm -hmm. to like reach out, whether you're the manager or the designer, just to, for some of the small things you might say, if you saw them in passing, Oh, I'm going to send that to you in just a minute or stuff like that. Um, I think if people go off the grid, that always kind of alerts me. Like if you don't hear from them all day, you're kind of like, that's odd. You don't might not think about it unless they like are regularly missing deadlines and you're like, mm, that's a problem. <laughs> like you might as a manager kind of connect those things that they go off the grid and drop the ball on their work. And <laughs> so, but I think I feel like I've seen a lot of people seem to be, especially creatives have been, and I've heard a lot of them on my team say that they're more productive right now, that they don't have to do all the extra bullshit that they can, they don't have to commute that they can put loads of laundry in while they're working. Like there's something really positive. And I know that they, you know, companies are talking about what it looks like going back into an office. And I know on the manager side, like there's like a, why disrupt productivity, like to just force us go back in office. You know, I, I'm hoping companies eyes are open and going, maybe it's a hybrid approach of some sort because there's merit to being in person as long as it's safely, of course, for X number of days. But 
people are vocalizing that they're way more productive. Like, let's like, why not give them that? Cause I also think that it, if companies don't do that, people are just going to find work that does let them do that. That's like, what's so great about millennials and Gen Z is they're like, fine, I'll find somewhere else. They don't feel forced to like stay someplace either. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Because you're kind of, you're the first art director who I know reviews work and resumes and has say in who gets hired. And I don't know if you've gotten anyone fired before. I have no idea, but <laughs> <laughs> that's always like, that's probably the other major question I get from a lot of people mm -hmm. and so I try to tell people like they're doing their job and looking at this so you know how can you concisely pitch who you are to everybody but I didn't know if you had any sort of um, insight or pointers or even just like it'd be really great if everyone just did this in their portfolio because <laughs> Jeff actually did that and now I tell that to everyone put a button at the bottom that brings you to the top that's all he wants like yes <laughs> that's a very good point or like even I think I noticed that it's like never have dead ends like even if you get to the bottom of a project link the rest of your work because or just like scrolling through or in a rush like we get to the bottom oh there's all right I'll look at some more and you might actually guide them into more of your work if you put some kind of like um, like content at the bottom that would link them somewhere. Like for resumes, I I'm a nitpick in that I, I if it's not typeset well and I can't scan it really easily and kind of get the highlight reel, I'm not going to read deeper on all the details. So taking the time to like typeset it really clearly, kind of highlight bold like past titles or, you know, freelance, whatever you're putting on your resume, make it really scannable. So it's easy to kind of see high level, a quick overview. And then you'll have your bullets that kind of like call out your contributions or maybe a significant thing, role that you played or goal that you accomplished there. You'll dive more in if you, instead of just like expecting someone to like, no one's probably reading everything in detail from start to top, like from top to bottom they're doing a quick scan and then they're going to get in the details. I, um, I also have found some people who have put soft skills on their resume, which I think is really interesting, especially if you are people that don't have a lot of experience yet. I think soft skills in terms of like resourcefulness, um, you know, figuring things out, eager, like jumping in, like uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones, but, that can kind of help fill out a resume for somebody if you even if you don't have like a lot of work experience just yet maybe there's like a project you worked on or like a volunteer thing or something that just shows that you get up and go or that you take ownership or that you held a lot of responsibilities or had to manage a bunch juggle a bunch of different things or even if they're not one to one design things like skills there's still some of those like leadership abilities or managing projects well or handling a lot of work and figuring it out or even just uh, my husband and I will say this all the time because he's a people manager too how many people are not resourceful if you're a resourceful person you should put that that you figure things out like it, it sounds silly but there's a lot of people who don't do that and so it could be a nice way to fill out a resume if you're struggling that you don't have like a ton of work experience yet um and I think on portfolios generally, like I always want some kind of short 
snippet at the top of every project that just contextualizes it for me. Like, what am I looking at? Like, I hate it when I go on a page and it just goes right into the work and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like, sure, it looks fine, <laughs> but I don't know what I'm looking at, what your role in it was, what were you trying to accomplish? What were maybe some hurdles you had to get through to get to the finish line? I mean, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be like a short little paragraph, but just sets the tone. My role was doing all of the work or like I partnered with a copywriter or whatever that is. Um, there's also a level of authenticity when you kind of talk about your role as well, because then it, a lot of people who will take credit for work that they didn't, they, they actually had help on. And I think when I see people credit other people, it, there's a character thing for me that I, I notice that, that they're maybe quick to give other people credit as well and only take response or to only take credit for where they actually contributed, which I think is a big deal. So those are, yeah, I think those are kind of the big ones that I always notice. Uh, the credit thing they brought up, like changed the way I wrote my entire portfolio at the bottom of every project. I write um, all of the assets on this page were executed by myself. This person wrote it. This person mm -hmm. did the photography. Cause like I might retouch an image but I, it's not my image. It's mm -hmm. an evolution of somebody else's. And like, I think in general too, that in and of itself is a skill that people don't think about that being. There's a lot of logistics to being a creative, depending on what your role or job is. And if you're in a place where you have to do everything, <laughs> you should own the shit out of the fact oh, that you yeah. do everything. Yep, agreed. If you're I being just, like the one man show, you should definitely say that. Or, and if you're not, you should definitely say that too. <laughs> well, and like, that's another thing that's like super common. I've noticed talking to people, even like with my own experience. Cause like at work, I'm on like a colleague panel where once a month, like I, I talk to the general manager of like my department and they cool. ask questions and stuff. And I had to be nominated for that position that I didn't know I was being nominated for. <laughs> and then I'm on like, internal committees at work that are helping like you know push goals forward within the company to be consumer facing and it's like that is outside of my scope of work that I volunteer within that to do and it was just like last week I added that to my LinkedIn because I was like I'm not paying any extra to do this but mm -hmm. it is teaching me things and it's worth doing and everybody else carves out time to do it and I just don't think people like view the marketing side of their skills for everything like having the ear of your general manager once a month oh is gosh, like the huge. most valuable and you're like a spokesperson for oh what do you guys think about working from home everyone in the creative department we got it we know what we're doing you don't yeah. need to you don't need to move us around we know what we're doing like yeah, please know? don't actually we'd prefer to be did it <laughs> And I just think that that's something a lot of people miss and the greenest designers actually have a lot of that stuff. They just don't know how to articulate it or think mm. about it. Agreed. I was going to say when you're kind of listing off the different kind, I'm like, that's all on your resume, right? Because that's all like, <laughs> and you beat me too. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's all like great resume stuff. Just because it, anything that would show like initiative or like, you know, going a little extra mile or committing to like, working with a group of people like that says a lot about a person even if it's not 
I mean, yours might actually be design related, but there's plenty of things that aren't that still show those skills that you could include to kind of build up a resume. I don't know if you had any other resources or advice on like how to either think the framework of thinking about what you should write or like resources to better understand how to look for work. I learned the last job switch I did. I learned a new tactic that I'm definitely taking into future is that a, I kind of had a feeling that my time at that company was kind of hitting like coming to an end. And I knew that because I was just felt like, I just felt like I maybe hit my personal ceiling. I just, things were kind of getting stagnant for me. I didn't feel like as inspired and excited about going there. You just kind of, it's just kind of a gut feeling. Like I've always been a person who like listens to my gut hardcore personally and professionally. Cause the couple of times I've ignored it, it's totally me over <laughs> i hope we can say fuck on here um but uh this is free i don't have any sponsors <laughs> <laughs> they right. and like, ain't nobody telling me what to do <laughs> buckle up <laughs> um but so um, one piece of advice there is that if you start to get that feeling act sooner than later because there's nothing worse than like trying to find a job when you're super desperate to get out of a bad situation or you're really bitter like you want to leave a job when you're like generally still have good feelings about it <laughs> like you might have had good and bad days um and some days where you just like hated it but generally you want to still leave with like good vibes <laughs> um and so if you start to feel that i started to just kind of feel that and in some of my searching and looking around i saw that google has this feature where you can like put in searches in just Google search engine and save them. And they'll email you like all of the jobs that fit that criteria every morning. And so I had at least two searches, one that was like blue sky that was like creative director anywhere in the country, because I'm a fan of like, just see what's out there because God forbid the perfect role, even if it's in another city comes up, you just take it. <laughs> if it works out for your circumstances. Um, and so I had that saved and then I also had like, okay, digital art director in the Chicago area saved. And so for like a few months, every morning I would get two emails with different listings. It's very easy to read. It's very scannable. It takes 30 seconds. And sometimes it's junk or not jobs that you want, or you're like, what is that company? Like I would never work there. Um, and I happened to see the logo of the company I work at now. And I'm like, yeah, I'll work there. And it was a digital art or senior um, art director job in, for e-com. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. So I, like, kind of sat on it for two or three months. I mean, I really expected, you know, when I start searching for maybe whatever the next gig is, I planned that it might be six months to a year. You don't know. This last one came a little bit quicker than I expected. Um, so you got to be ready for that. You got to have, as soon as you make that decision to start making that move, like, have your stuff ready, have your resume ready because it could come out of nowhere and you want to be ready to react quickly. But even if you're just looking for your first job, having those Google searches, you can have as many as you want and they're just sending them to your inbox every day. You don't even have to like go out and search for them. They'll just send them to you and you can kind of peruse through them. So that was, I think that was a big, you know, it's good to connect with recruiters too, because they're going to have 
insights or a lot of places want to do like freelance a full time, which is I don't love that model, but um, I have a I'm, lot I could say about that model. <laughs> I, <feel like. laughs> I don't love that model, but uh, recruiters are, can help in a lot of ways too. They can be great reviewers of resumes. Um, you know, I think I think I've seen you know generally people in their bullet points on resumes do like my responsibilities in this role. I think if anywhere you can layer in like things you accomplished or like things you specifically had a hand in and like goals you met instead of just responsibilities, I think is really cool. Cause it's very like, like measurable things that you did. And it's easy. It's not, it's a nice little moment to kind of brag about all the things you might've done at whatever it was a volunteer gig or school or first job or whatever. Um, but I would recommend the Google searches because I think they're scouring all the job listings. So you're just getting them all in one place. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. That is <laughs> that reminds me of that one day we were like, how do you organize everything? La la la. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Cause I just actually this week saw another job up and I, I'm not going to move to Portland. Um, I wouldn't mind at all. And I was, it was another one. I was like, Oh, I would work for them, but I, I might, I'm, quite fine where I'm at right now but I was like this is why you have this because even though I'm totally happy where I'm at you never stop putting your feelers out there because a you just never want to be trapped and you just want to have your feelers out there and the perfect thing might come along you just never know and I mean even if there's any other designers on my team that are listening like I would encourage them to do the same like I would be very sad but you know, you got to keep your feelers out there, even if you're happy where you're at, because you just never know. This is potentially a touchy subject. Awesome. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we've talked a little bit about like being women in the workforce. And like, I know that managers know how much money everybody makes on their team. Mm -hmm. And so I was just curious in general, like how... And like this will completely be different company to company. Yeah. But how the range is looking. Cause I I know from my team, because I'm nosy and I ask everybody, the range is pretty vast, which isn't shocking, but is pretty old school in my opinion. Agreed. Um, and you know, I don't always volunteer how much I make because depending on how much you make, you might not be ready to hear. The, yeah. the figure and it'll make you feel some kind of way and the, I'm not trying to get people to feel like that um, but since you're a manager and you have like insight into that I didn't know if you had any particular opinions about how much insight you've had to that over time mm, interesting question I, I remember the first time you told me how you kind of like asked around and that's a new topic for me, like just the idea of people talk, because I definitely grew up in a world where you didn't talk about that. So the first time I heard that kind of shift in thinking of that we're talking about that now, I was like, oh, can we do that? <laughs> that I, was like, I was like a little spooked, but then I was like, that's awesome. That is awesome. Like, because honestly, the only, when I got into a position to be an art director, I was... I actually asked the person ahead of like who was there before me because I still talked to him at the time and I asked him like do you mind if you tell me how much you made because I, I was a little worried like I knew he had more experience than me so I know that experience plays a role sometimes in those conversations 
my concern was that they were going to lowball me because I was a woman. So thankfully they didn't, but having somebody who was willing to like say how much their salary was, especially a man and, Mm -hmm. um, it when you're talking like to women like that that was really helpful so at least i knew like what the bar was um i do have yeah i do have visibility it does vary company to company like what the difference is um i've been at somewhere pretty on par and it generally it's more determined by like experience level people who have less experience might make a little bit less which i think makes sense because you do get higher salaries as, as you get more experience. Um, but I have seen some that have had some, um, there's no really rhyme or reason why that there's a difference there. And um, I did call that out and made sure to remedy it and go, that's not okay. <laughs> like, in fact, that person actually has more experience. And so um, that person should not be making less than the other person. Um, what's interesting is when you just kind of call it out in the middle of the conversation, people are uncomfortable and then like, oh yeah, okay, no problem. <laughs> Especially, yeah. and you have to like say like, that person has more experience at the bare minimum they should make the same. You're making a case that they should make. No, I think it was, a, they're making a case that they should make the same. And I'm like, that person has more experience. <laughs> and then I just remember the individual I was talking to was like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, you can use some of that to your advantage that people are uncomfortable talking about that topic. But I, um, I learned about Robert Half way too late. And um, so for any newer, younger designers, that's a really great resource. And I'm sure there's probably others, but I, my understanding is Robert Half is kind of a, a good go-to. And they'll give you salary ranges, depending on like your experience, your location, your role, um, and that can be used just for your own mentality, like just so you, when you know, going in, like if you're going to a company and Robert Half is saying like your median should be, I'm making this up at like 85,000 and they company says, Oh, this position is 55. You kind of, it's a good indicator and you can either, you know, argue it or you can go, I see that you lowball all your people <laughs> and maybe it's not a good place that you want to be. Cause that is a good indicator. Um, and it can also be used as a really good resource because it is widely respected as like a bullet point in your case for like why you want to hire sa- higher salary or a raise. Like I've used it personally to get a raise at places to say like, I'm actually not hitting the, the range that is, you know, industry standard. So I think using that is really helpful as well. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, especially women, people of color, anybody who is a minority in the workplace. Yep. <laughs> I think it's a very uh, intimidating topic to bring up to a manager. And so I don't know if you've ever had other people bring it up to you or how you typically kind of navigate those. Like, did you have any sort of advice on how to approach the subject with somebody's manager maybe to discuss that? Like, is there something mm-hmm. you look for that helps you? Are there things that like you need to make a case for them like what's going on there (laughs) (laughs) i've been on both i've been on the the side where i've asked for a raise and then i've been on the side where like someone has it wasn't necessarily ray was actually a promotion that 
um, and I, um, so when I asked for a raise, I remember I was very nervous because it's such an uncomfortable conversation. So part of it is just accepting that it's like really fucking awkward and just like know that, just know it's gonna be uncomfortable. I wish it wasn't, but it just sometimes is. Having the, I think, keeping it short and succinct, but to the point, like you don't want to bring in, well, I'm having this financial struggle or I just had a, you know, whatever person, leave that out of it. <laughs> um, so you actually even back up a little bit. I always like try to make sure that my manager is not in like the throes of some master, like major catastrophe. <laughs> I catch them at a good time. You want them to be like listening, right? Yeah. So kind of read the room there and then just say, hey, you know, maybe it's like in a one-on-one um, is a great opportunity for that. If your manager doesn't have one-on-ones with you, A, request one-on-ones and B, then just schedule a meeting and say, hey, I just you wanted to talk to, you know, you can keep it really vague. Like I just wanted to, had a couple questions for you. Would you be okay to meet, you know, at this time or whatever? And when you go into that conversation, you just be direct, like, you know, I'm really enjoying my time here. I've, you know, I feel like I've, um, I'm trying to remember, I had it all written out because I was very nervous. <laughs> but say, I'd like to talk to you, like sometimes just setting up the conversation. I'd like to talk to you about my salary. Is this a good time to talk about that? Because that also lets them go, you know what, I want to have this conversation with you right now. It's not a great time. Or, okay, they kind of go, all right, this is what we're talking about. And then you can go into, love my work here. I love working here. I've been, in addition to my job responsibilities, I've also been doing A, B, and C. Um, you know, you can talk through why, like just some quick bullets. You don't need to go into like a whole dissertation. <laughs> um, you don't want them to like tune you out because you talked for 15 minutes. Quick bullets. Here's a couple of reasons why that are not personal financially situations involved. <laughs> And then you can even say, you know, and I was looking at Robert Half and I noticed that I'm X per number below the industry standard or whatever, if that is relevant to your case. Um, if you're already in that range, then I probably would leave that out. And then the best advice I got from my dad, actually, is once you kind of make that quick, short pitch, stop talking. Do not say, like, first person who talks loses like just <laughs> stop talking and let like if you ramble too much you just just make your case couple quick bullets stop talking and let them talk um generally they'll probably need to go and like run it up whatever ladders and you should also have an idea in your head of like what you're shooting for and it's not a bad idea to like overshoot that if you're looking for i don't know 75,000 80,000 i'm making these numbers up maybe say 85, as long as that's still in their range, knowing that they're probably going to come down a little bit. So that's generally just good advice. But I always appreciated the, I'm a rambler when I get nervous. So mm -hmm. I just remember my dad saying that when you, when you ask the question, shut your mouth and let them talk. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like honestly on the receiving side of somebody coming to me and just kind of pitching their, case for why they should have a promotion like it looked very similar to that they this person did a great job of that they kind of listed out you know i've been doing a b and c for a while now especially if you've kind of already been doing that role that you're asking for promotion in or you're already been doing above and beyond that would qualify you for a raise they talked through that um i'm interested in this what does this path forward look like for me when you're talking about a promotion and then that person stopped 
And um, so I, and I applauded them. I, I thought I was, um, it was a, it was actually, it was a, it was a woman. And I remember just being really proud. I'm like, yeah, ask for the fucking money. Like, good for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was a little bit of me like feminist side being like, fuck yeah. But also I'm your manager. So let me go talk to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> but then, so as a manager, when that person comes to me, then I generally have to like make a case using probably those bullets and any Robert, ha like all of the stuff that you bring will be then used to kind of pitch that to, I mean, sometimes money conversations and role conversations is such absolute, there's so much bureaucracy around it. Um, so it, it does help to kind of give those bullets um, to your manager because they'll use them to then help make the case. They probably already, you know, once that door has been opened, they probably would be able to add to that because they hopefully would be aware of their own, like have been observing some of these things as well. Um, but they will have to probably pitch a case even if it's a simple, this person deserves X amount, that's industry standard, here's the reasons why, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's not unusual. So the point no, is, ask for the money. Always do it. Yeah. The worst that happens is you keep your job and they just say no. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Which isn't the worst case scenario. <laughs> it isn't. And actually, I remember my first job, I did kind of it was actually when I got hired and the it was hourly and it was a little lower than I had wanted and probably could afford. Um, and I asked, I said, you know, I was hoping for something more in this range, which is a completely fine, whether you're talking hourly or salary when you're accepting a job position and they couldn't hit it. They were like, no, sorry, this is the budget. And I remember my dad told me, he goes, but they know now that you know your value. And that you're not going to be a person who gets taken advantage of. And that actually ended up to be true. Like later on, after I kind of proved like my worth, they came back and gave me that money. Um, and I think just them knowing in the back of their minds that you're, you, for lack of a better word, like mean business, that you're not just going to sit around and take whatever you can get, that you're someone who's going to actively seek out a good paying job, I think is helpful for people to, to hear from you yeah and i think because when i got hired freelance to full-time um that was kind of the first time i really did that to the extent in which i did and i was offered a fair starting wage but i was like i've been with the brand for a year and a half like everybody else who worked here would have gotten a merit increase so i'm gonna ask for i don't remember what it was it was a lot though i asked for like five or six thousand dollars more or something um which i think is maybe like a four or five percent raise on top of what they offered me but it wasn't like outlandish i didn't ask for right. like 20 percent or something and i didn't get as much as i wanted but i got more and like i was like okay cool and then the following year like i wasn't eligible for a merit increase and then a pandemic happened so i was like i got i started at the number they would have wanted me to earn my way to. So now I'm ahead of myself. And, True. and then I brought that into buying my condo, which I was fortunate to do. Everybody told me they were like, this is what your mortgage is going to be. This is what it's going to be. And I was like, no way. I'm not going to do that <laughs> every month on top of like all these other fees. Get to this number or I'm not doing this at all. And Good what do you, you know? 
they got to the number I wanted. <laughs> Somehow. I just, I truly believe you never have to accept the first number. And I think a lot of people are just scared to ask for more if they think it's unfair because you need the money. Like you always need the money. <laughs> and even if like, I totally agree. It's such an awkward top. I'm glad that we're kind of like breaking the ice that, you know, it doesn't have to be a, t- a scary topic. I think that'll take a while to kind of really ring out. But um, honestly, even sometimes, especially if you're in a position where like you're at a job and you're happy, but like you get, you know, an op- opportunity for another one. Like I heard someone else had told me when I was a younger designer, they went, they were leaving the company. I was really bummed. I really liked them. And he, he was like, yeah, I was freelancing. And then they offered me a full-time job. And because I didn't need it, cause I was fine with my job. I said, I, this is the number. And it was kind of like, maybe slightly ridiculous, not outlandish, but like higher. And then they were like, yeah, okay. And he was like, oh, oh. <laughs> like you gotta ask. Cause then I remember that. And I have done that as well, where you're like, you know, generally if you're switching jobs, I, I feel, I feel like you should at least be targeting like, I don't know, like 15% more at least. It's a big shift when you change jobs. And you're kind of, now you're not just sacrificing, I mean, you're sacrificing your regular routine, all these people you know, there's a comfort level of like what you know what your role is to be. So you should have at least that and more if you can. And I remember like kind of went in, just was like, all right, this is the number Robert Half says, I'm gonna ask for it. Assume they're gonna come down. And then they were like, yeah, okay. And I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Like all what you should at least try. Cause like you said, the worst is going to happen is they're going to say no. And then you're like, or they're going to just come down a little bit. And then at least in your case, you still ended up with more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I'm, I get a little persnickety about it, but it's because I put more tasks on myself and I should, I should see more for what I do. But at the same time, the balance is, well, how much of this is your fault and how much of this is their fault? (laughs) That's where I currently am. That is 100% of me problem. But it's in an effort to like, be like, here's my package. Now go advocate for me, manager. Hello. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. That's so helpful to have though. Cause even if there's like a general framework you've made, then the manager can just build on that. Um, help it move faster too because i mean just at the end of the day people are busy and if they have to build something completely from scratch that takes a little more time if they just have to add text and bullet points onto yours and great <laughs> send yeah. it along yeah all right so then we could keep talking about a because, lot of things but yes. <laughs> i'm gonna round this whole thing out with um you know we've covered a lot of different types of topics and all of that uh, but at the end of the day you know It sounds like you're hitting a lot of the success points that you set out for yourself. However, (laughs) was there any advice or anything that you've encountered along the way that you wish like you had known better in or you had advice for, or if you could go back, what you would advise yourself to do? Oh my gosh, so much, like so much. (laughs) And I only say that because I feel like I've had to learn so much on the fly, like, or just like in the moment, thrown on the deep end, figure it out. And while that is definitely a 
a firm way of learning. It's probably not the best. <laughs> um, where did I even start? Goodness. I think I liked what you were talking about, about just like sorting out your creative brain, just no matter what job you have, like as a creative person, sorting out what your creative brain needs. And I can't you know, speak for all creatives, but for me, my brain spins a million miles an hour all the time. And I think for a while people think nine to five that they have to like turn that off. But then you, I found myself turning off good ideas or forgetting things so for me, I just kind of learned to like lean into it and like figure out how to manage the swirl because it'll help you professionally. It'll help you personally. Um, so I, you know, you need the same thing, like keeping a lot of lists just to kind of rid yourself of all the, the bullshit that's kind of burdening your brain that kind of just helps you be able to focus on the, the bigger things. Um, and I think another big thing is just like learning some of your own tells, like where you create best when you need rest, what helps your brain rest, um, what refills you creatively, what challenges you meant, like all those things like are really important and it'll help you in your career and also just your own personal balance as well. Um, I think I've been really helpful. I will do a shameless plug for three books that I feel like everyone should read and there's probably more, but um, I mentioned Creativity Inc. already, Atomic Habits, and how to win friends and influence people. Atomic Habits is just a phenomenal book that is about habit building and it it changed everything I do, like um, how I just go about my life, to be honest, in every capacity. And how to win friends and influence people. I feel like the, you know, the area, I felt somewhat equipped coming out of art school, but there are some areas about like, especially interacting with people and like, you know, just some of those nuances and interpersonal relationships that come up in the workplace and matter. And How to Win Friends and Influence People is like a legendary business book. Um, you know, you might not take everything from it for what it is, but there might be things that stand out that help you just understand people. It's all about getting people to like hear you, not just speaking. Because um, you can, you know, delivery is absolutely everything. You can say a million things, but if people don't hear you, then it doesn't matter. I would also say that like experience doesn't mean shit. I, I genuinely mean that because I feel like there's been people who had a ton of, ex like that. I just would challenge people not to be discouraged by that because, you know, it, even as I think about, I know that you and I have talked about this, that like when we were looking for a designer to fill the role that you ended up filling, like I've met some people who are really experienced and it shows and it's great. I met some not as experienced people and they're awesome. Like they get the work done. They're excited. They're like really driven and ambitious. And I remember like, when we were looking for your role, we were like, at the time we were drowning. And so it was like, fine, just bring in somebody with a ton of experience. And it was a train wreck. It was an absolute train. Like people, I had people after a week coming to me and I hadn't really, and they're like, can we please, like, this person's terrible. And I was like, fine. Okay. I thought it, like, we honestly thought it was like a solid, like, experienced person should be really helpful. And so I was like, all right, fine. So I made the call, get him out of here. And it was like, okay, well, this person, might, you know, is, you know, is very creative, doesn't have quite as much experience as the person. And, and we we're like, fuck it, don't care. <laughs> like, that obviously was a question. <laughs> bring, bring her in. And I was like, she's creative. She's got to, like, 
you can see it in her drawings and her work like fine let's just and it and i just remember that honestly like to me i look back and i'm like why would, why would i think the experience matters and i think that was a huge learning point for me that it really doesn't because that was how we got you and you obviously kind of just like blew everybody out of the water and it just it doesn't matter and so not to be discouraged by that um i think as a a woman in the workplace you know don't it, it's sad how old school things still are it's it, it'll probably shock you <laughs> it shocked me I, I really didn't expect it to quite be as old school as it is um i think a key to that is like recognizing a lot of that and i had to learn this in hindsight a lot of it has nothing to do with you every single person that i have kind of come in contact with that it was a really bad situation like like harassment or intimidation or all of those like, threats and stuff um they were such wildly wildly insecure people it had nothing to do with me it was just maybe as a you know pretty direct woman probably just maybe revealing some things about themselves so it has nothing to do with you i you know don't back down don't buy in the bullshit that you have to talk in a lovely little fleeting little voice <laughs> um you know and i think um, i'm just trying to remember all the I think also just surrounding yourself by people who are better than you as well. Um, if you look around and you don't have at least one, preferably more that like you look up to or that you are challenged by or make you kind of feel like you gotta stay on your toes, you should find somewhere else. Cause you want to be, if you are interested in growing, you wanna be with people who are gonna like make you be on your toes or make you think differently or challenge you or in some capacity all of those are great <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to remember if i forgot oh i have one quick story just because i feel like i have to share this yeah go for it, it so i know you kind of talked about how um art school doesn't always like totally equip you um i will say that there is one story that i have to share that um i was like one of my early drawing classes at a community college and his teacher, his name was Bob Apolloni and he was by far my favorite art instructor. And we took a lot of drawing classes with him. And if you're going to, so we were all taking drawing class, three hour class, first half of it, we were drawing, made a beautiful still life out of charcoal. It's beautiful. Everyone took a lot of time, grueling detail, making it perfect just absolutely made it perfect. And then everybody went out for the break and come back in. And he was, and he was such like a, he was just so stern, but like funny and, um, and lighthearted at the same time. And he was like, okay, now that everybody has drawn their still life, I'm going to have you take a paper towel and I'm going to have you rub it down into like a solid field of gray. And everyone just lost their damn minds like they just lost their mind they were so mad and they were like people were just like revolting like i'm not gonna do that and everyone starts like angrily like rubbing <laughs> like the paper and he's like okay so i want you to now draw the same still life with your eraser just in reverse and again the like revolting ensued and everyone was just so mad and he said he said as long as you work in commercial design you need to not be attached to your work. And I was like, oh. wow. 
and I honestly, I have remembered that because like you're, you know, that's why you have personal projects because then it doesn't get, you know, destroyed. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to always have the feedback loop, but that was, that still sticks with me. And I have shared that another, I, I need to email him for this because that stuck with me and it just prepared me because you're going to get some feedback. I mean, I had one guy one time tell me that some work was atrocious and I was like, Oh my God. And you just have to be like, like you said, ready to go with the punches and, you know, navigate feedback. Okay. Well, what about it? Are you reacting to, you know, <laughs> but knowing that, you know, not letting it be your baby too much and the things you want to be your baby, maybe do on the side. So nobody can destroy them. But I, that was, it's been something that stuck with my career for a long time. And I was like, I need to share this because it was such a, <laughs> it was such a pivotal moment for me. And it was a really big learning. <laughs> I wish I had a moment like that in art, art school. It would have saved me a lot of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you just get feedback and you're like, okay, that's aggressive or like really unclear. And it's, it's, it's probably a very startling moment, especially if it was startling for me to get feedback on work and you're not totally sure, you know, how to talk about your design decisions or why you made that decision. And sometimes you can actually sway opinions by saying like, mm -hmm. actually, this is why I did it. You know, you don't have to say, yeah, sure. It's garbage. Whatever you say, you can say, <laughs> you can say like, well, hear what you're saying. So this was the logic, you know, behind it. And you might change some minds. Um, or even just going, so what specifically are you reacting to? You you might say the whole thing sucks, but maybe it's just the, I've learned usually it's just something super small. Mm -hmm. just people who aren't visual kind of paint with broad strokes and they're yep. just like, it's not working. And you're like, like the whole thing? Like I should just throw it away? Or like one word is like not the right message or one picture you're hating or something. It's helpful to just ask what well, specifically. Like that was actually probably the biggest uh, realization for me. Cause I remember when I left before you guys called me back and I think I asked you, I asked you some question. I don't remember what my question was, but you said that I had really good soft skills. I was really good at explaining why I did what I would do You did, and that other people didn't necessarily do that. And that was like learning, like people don't hear in color. Cause I just like had no idea that that was like special. <laughs> I just thought, well, why wouldn't you explain what you do? And I have found as I kept going, like people don't necessarily know how to do that. And if you can get really good at just articulating why you did what you did, because it's always going to be in the framework. I did this for you because that's literally <laughs> what you did it for. Like you told me to do this. <laughs> yeah. Like you can sell their own idea back to them and like, I think people really underestimate that. So I love that your teacher gave you that lesson because at the end of the day, they'll buy it or they won't. That's kind of up to you as the designer. And either way, you got paid for your time. So nothing's a waste of time. It that is can, true. It's still frustrating, but it's not a waste of time. And those are two different things. Frustration and waste are different. <laughs> That's a very good decision because there's been a number of things. Like I had a project that got blown up and I put it in my portfolio anyway because I'm like, I love this project and that has been the project that has gotten me a full-time job and a freelance job because they call that project out specific. I really like what you did with this. And I'm like, interesting. But I think what you say is really important because if you start to notice that people 
comment on something you do that you think is really like, oh, do other people not do that? That's your superpower. And you should like latch onto that because it took me a while on some things where I'm like, wait, so other people aren't doing that? Oh, and you see that as a differentiator? Okay, good to know. I'm going to use that for my advantage, whether it's to get certain roles or raises or work or whatever, like figure out what that is for you that you might see as like, just do that. All right. Well, I'm going to put the book suggestions that you made. I wrote them down. I'll put them in the show notes and links to wherever you buy books. And <laughs> so everyone has access to them. And the Google search email thing, I think is a really awesome tip. So I'll add that in there. So thank you for the resources. Of course. Uh, other than that, unless there's any other like there's any place you wanted people to go or any other like resource you could think of then i thank you for your time i appreciate you reaching out i'm so honored to be here and i'm glad to have i mean i know you and i could chat about this shit all day so i always enjoy it's a great way to spend a saturday <laughs> <laughs> well then i'm gonna stop recording and we'll just keep talking all right sounds good <laughs>